Last hour of the program, welcome to it on the Green Zone. Good to have you with us. I have not been able to talk to this man in quite a bit of time. I'm glad to have him on the phone right now. As usual, on Mondays, he joins Jamie to talk about the NFL and what happened on the weekend. And Belton Johnson joins us. Hello, Mr. Johnson. How are you, sir? I'm finally kind of unthawing a little bit. Drew. I, don't know, <laughs> I don't know if you heard about the weather here in Saskatchewan, uh, you know, over the what, last week. Uh, I was like minus 40 or minus 50 with the wind and stuff. And actually, I feel like I could wear shorts today in minus 20 or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm complaining that it's raining in Los Angeles right now, buddy. I'm, I'm here in L.A. with the Sharks, and I'm complaining that it's raining and it's about 15 degrees. And uh, we were, But we were just on a re- that recent road trip um, out east when the storms hit and hit Buffalo. And Ottawa and all that area. So we, we were there just on the uh, the game before they just played their last one. So um, I do not, Belton, I don't miss the cold. I do not miss it one bit. Yeah, I don't miss it either, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I tell everybody, well, you're from the South, okay? So you, you understand. I tell everybody, you can get used to the warmth, but you never get used to the cold. Absolutely. You are 100 and. 10% bang on on that because <laughs> the warms you can, I can stay warm all day. It won't bother me, you know. But that cold, especially when you throw the wind in there, oh. it's just, I don't even want to go anywhere. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. So you've played in those games. Um, JB was telling because I'm always amazed at watching the guys play in that cold weather. And especially the guys like you, the big offensive linemen, you don't wear any sleeves. But you did that for, for a game that was particularly probably one of the coldest in CFL history. Tell me about that. It, it wasn't fun, Drew. And I'm going to tell you, <laughs> the whole line, we all got together. We said we're going to you know, not wear uh, sleeves and everything, right, just to – just to show how manly we are, and, and, <laughs> and, uh, you know, you go you go out for warm ups, and I'm telling you right away that wind hits you. I don't care if if, if you say you can handle it, I I call you a liar right now. <laughs> but you know, you go out there, and uh, you know, if you're winning, I think it's a different story sometimes, right? You got the adrenaline, momentum, and everything. You're yeah. probably not thinking about it, but when you're losing. Every hit, everybody, when I went back to the sideline, everybody on the team was huddled up around the one little heat fan or vent that was out there and everything, <laughs> trying to stay warm. Well, I mean, you must, when you, like you talk about taking hits and making hits, it's got to feel extra painful. It does, and, you know, uh, I remember what was, I think, last week when Mahomes, uh, you know, the helmet chipped or yeah. did something. Yeah, his leg broke, yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm going to tell you, you know, I, I had gotten bull rush and hit my hit the head on the ground, and, man, you know, uh, you talk about concussions and everything, and I know yeah. I knew I was concussed at that moment. But again, you try to get up, and you know the rules were different then, right? Just you know, you get up, you stumble a little bit. <laughs> and, coach, are you okay? <laughs> yep, let's go, coach. Put me back I'm in. Good. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> Belton Johnson joining us. Uh, we're going to talk about the NFL weekend. 
Um, I'll give you a broad subject first. Just your takeaway on the NFL weekend. What did you like? What didn't you like? What I liked, uh, I'm going to tell you, my the game that I really loved was the Packers and uh, the 49ers there. Niners. Oh, man. And, you know, what a great game. And it was so physical, right? Like every hit was, I mean, you could seem like people were right there at the game or something. I could hear it all. And with the rain and everything, right, the elements uh, – uh, had the had, was a big factor, you know, with running, slipping, or whatnot, and everything. And um, the Packers, they they surprised me again. You know, that's a team that I'll be looking at next year to really make some noise. Even though they did make some noise in the playoffs here this year, they they were impressive, and it was a for the Forty Niners um, that comeback, and they've not done it very much. In fact, I'm not sure Brock Purdy's ever done it in his career as a starting quarterback, been able to come back, so that was important. When you look at the matchup between Kansas City and Buffalo, we, we were talking about this earlier. Is, is it fair to say, not on Josh Allen, I thought Josh Allen had a heck of a game, but is it fair to say when you look at Josh Allen, he's not a great quarterback because great quarterbacks win big games and keep in mind who he's playing against right right uh, right you know I, I gotta that's that's another superstar quarterback Patrick Mahomes then you know that game I felt whoever had the ball last would probably win the game and everything just the way it was going and you know is Josh Allen is he a great quarterback I don't think he's a a great quarterback I do think he's a really really good quarterback though uh you know, he could run the ball, he could throw it. You know, I think if you take away some of those turnovers he's had in his, what, five years or however long he's been in the league, I think if you take some of that away, then I'll put him in that category as a great quarterback. And, and of course, you got to win some of those games. I think he's now, what, 0-3 in the playoffs. 0-3, yeah. Versus Mahomes during the regular season. I think he has the winning track record against Mahomes. Yep, he does. Absolutely right. But you're right. It's where the playoffs matter. Um, the other game that uh, – the, well, the two other ones, but the, the Baltimore was just Baltimore. They're, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, it, they are – they're scary good, man. They, they have been, to me, the most under-talked about, under-appreciated, really good team in the NFL this year. And I don't, I don't think people know how good that defense. We we'll get to Lamar Jackson so because yeah. I do think he's a MVP and everything. But that, that Ravens defense is, I still think it has a bunch of no names on that defense that get it done. And and you know they've given up uh, what sixteen and a half points per game. That's the best in the league. That's all they allow. So. Um, you know, I am looking forward to when they play the Chiefs who, you know, they start, the Chiefs struggled during the regular season with their offense, but they have picked it up here in the playoffs. Now, Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Is he a great quarterback? I, I'm not sure because he hasn't won the big game, right? You know, the, what is it? The, uh, the Super Bowl and everything. Yeah. He's got some hardware. He's got the MVPs and everything, right? But he's a guy that has it all, similar to Josh Allen. He can run. He can throw. He probably has less turnovers uh, in his career, I bet, over Josh Allen as well, right? So I got the Ravens winning the whole thing. Uh, it started the playoffs. That's who I picked. Ravens, I'm sticking with them to the end. 
They are so good. I watched, I was, uh, my boys came down to, to San Jose when, uh, during Christmas and we went to the Christmas day game and watched oh, the Ravens, the pressure they bring on the ends. <laughs> that line is scary, scary. And Lamar is Lamar. Lamar extends plays that shouldn't be extended at all. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a dynamite team. And I, like you said, I, I don't know about where, where their weaknesses are. The other one is the Detroit Lions. We're going to play it after after we, we talk to you, but Dan Campbell talking to his players after their win. But Dan Campbell comes in to the league as a head coach, and he talks about biting kneecaps, and everybody's like, what is with this guy? And he drinks six giant coffees a day, and he's always jacked up. He's like, What's it like? And I, I don't know, maybe, maybe is there a coach that you have played for that – does right away inspire that belief system within a team and builds on it and changes the culture that you've played for that. And what does that do for a player and a team? Well, I, I, I look at, you know, my time in the CFL, uh, guy, uh, we won a uh, great cup, coach Austin. He was a guy that I, I've always said, he is a guy that I will run through a brick wall for. And, you know, it, you know, just the words, the way he spoke and everything always, uh, had us motivated and everything. And I think the same thing about, uh, Campbell there with the Detroit Lions. You talk about tough grit. You know, you talk about a team that's taken on the personality of his coach. I, I truly believe that with the, uh, the Detroit Lions and, you know, you take a guy like golf that, you know, you're almost yes. like the Rams just threw them away well they embraced them that whole organization and and you know i look at it not look how it's paid off for them right now because they built through the years right it wasn't you know oh, one year we're gonna get it done he took his bumps and bruises but yeah he got better and better and better each season up to this point right here and i think that detroit Lions versus the 49ers I think that's going to be a real close game. Like, I almost want to just get a coin flip to pick who I think may win, to be honest with you. What with, with Baltimore as physical as they are, the Detroit Lions are just as physical. They are a tough, hard team to play against, both with the ball and without the ball. And that's the thing I look at Detroit. You know, you talk about playoff football, who can run the ball best, right? Well, Guess what? Detroit did some pretty nice little runs against the number one uh, run defense yeah. against the Buccaneers there, right? They were very, very impressive. And I, I tell you, it was fun to – It was I, I'm kind of cheering for Goff. I'm cheering for, for Campbell because there were some critics when it came when he came in the league about what is with oh, yeah. this guy. And – um, but I'm in uh, I'm in the Bay Area and I'm kind of a Niner fan too. So we're gonna <laughs> we're just gonna stay quiet and just gonna see what happens. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> hey, great talking to you again, my friend. I always appreciate a chance when we get to chat, and uh, it's good to hear from you again. Hope your year has started out the way you wanted to. Besides I'm the weather, try, I'm just trying to stay warm. You, you stay warm out there. <laughs> I will. It's a little rainy, but I'll be okay. I'll put a I'll put a light jacket on. I'll be fine. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Thanks, Belton. I appreciate it. Have a good one. That is you too. That is the great Belton Johnson. We'll be back on six fifty CKOM nine eighty CJME. Well, apparently today Nick Sirianni had his meeting. I'm sorry. Yesterday had his meeting with um, 
the owner, Jeff Laurie, of the Philadelphia Eagles. And it appears that Nick Sirianni's job is safe. The Eagles announced on uh, today that Sirianni and general manager Howie Roseman will hold an end-of-the-season press conference to talk about the future of the Philadelphia Eagles. So if you were firing your coach and or your general manager, they wouldn't be in the press conference when you're talking about the future. So it looks like Sirianni will be coming back for year four, but there doesn't mean there won't be changes. Apparently the Eagles are looking for uh, a new offensive coordinator. Brian Johnson is expected to be fired later today or tomorrow. And the news comes the day after they fired Sean Desai, who was uh, lost the play calling duties, the defensive coordinator and Matt Patricia will reportedly leave the team as he was the guy that stepped in as the D coordinator. So, Lots of changes, which we thought were going to happen when it came to the Philadelphia Eagles. Started out so great, right? 10 and 1. And then lost six of their last seven and were demolished in the playoffs. They really weren't even in the game. Uh, ESPN also reported that the Eagles are interviewing uh, fired head coach of the Washington Commanders, Ron Rivera. And Jaguars coordinator Mike Caldwell. So the, the Eagles are looking to make a lot of different changes, but they're not making changes at the general manager position or at the head coach position. And Nick Sirianni, they want Nick Sirianni in Philadelphia gone, but they're not going to get their wish. Let's go to the one minute drill. There it is, CM Punk's entrance song. CM Punk's big WWE superstar will be heavily involved in the Royal Rumble, which is coming up Saturday on Peacock, I think it is. And uh, yeah, it will be a fantastic Royal Rumble. I am working that day, but not that night. So we'll be tuning in to the Royal Rumble for sure. Everybody loves the Rumble. Lots of big questions about what's going to happen, especially the uh, the fatal four-way. Fatal four-way between AJ Styles, LA Knight, the Viper, Randy Orton, and the head of the table, Bible Chief, Roman Reigns. Going to be a good one. one 877 That is the text line and also the phone line. We, we were talking to Belton Johnson last half hour. I mentioned the fact that Dan Campbell has, I think, surprised a lot of the people and critics that he incurred when he took over the job. Remember, he came in talking about biting kneecaps, playing tough football. He's really always, he's a very emotional guy. He drinks boatloads of coffee and caffeine every day. <laughs> we talked about it a while ago about how much how many shots he puts in his espresso? Oh, my goodness. Well, I drink a lot of Pepsis a day. I'm trying to cut back. But there's no way I take in that much caffeine. But he does. But he's also a heck of a football coach. And as, as Dalton Johnson compared Dan Campbell to the great Kent Austin, how you'd run through a wall for that guy. Well, without a doubt, Dan Campbell is one of those guys. You can tell by the way his team plays, how ferocious they are, how physical they are, how hard they play. 
And after the game, a very emotional Dan Campbell addressed his team. You guys, you guys are unbelievable, man. I, I'm telling you, we talked about it all, all year. This started a long time ago. You're built for this. You're built for this, man. And look what you guys did. You went out there and the way, it's another high team that we knocked off. It's the next high team that you knock off. You know how hard it is to win in this league in the playoffs? Do you understand what you're doing right now? What we're capable of? That's two. All right? That's two. We got two to go. With a bye in the middle. With a bye in the middle. I'm unbelievably proud of everybody in here, man. Coaches, players. That's a way to mount up, man. That's not a, that's a, that's a difficult team to beat, man. That's Dan Campbell after, and you can tell the emotion in his voice. A couple of things struck me on that. After that, he handed out the game ball. It was really great, and another great conversation, or another another good speech by, um, by one of the players. You're built for this. There's there's some key words in that talk, and it's not by accident. Good coaches send messages every time they talk. Every time they talk to the team, every time they talk to the press, every post-game, pre-game, in-game, messages are sent by their words, by carefully choosing their words. You're built for this. That's no accident, him saying that. You're built for this. And do you know what we're capable of? was the other key phrase that struck me. That's a smart coach. That's a good coach. That is a coach that is very proud of his guys. But it's also a coach. And you've heard Jamie and I talk about belief system. First time I ever heard that phrase was Todd McClellan when he was coaching the San Jose Sharks. And... He used the word, he used that phrase, that term, belief system. And I, I went and talked to him after about it. I said, what, do you, what does that mean? What are, you, what are you talking about there? And he went, every team has a belief system. And as a coach, one of your primary goals, one of the things you have to do when you're laying the foundation is build up the belief system. Belief system in you as the coach, he said, but that's not nearly as important as the belief system within the team for each other. And that's the key. Again, can't be about the guy behind the bench. Can't be about the guy on the sideline. It's got to be about the guy you're going on the field or the ice or the, or the pitch with. It's about what do they believe? Do they believe that I'll be there for them and do I believe they'll be there for me, make the right play and do the right thing at the right time? So that's the belief system. And when Dan Campbell says, you're built for this, and do you know what you're capable of, that is once again affirming or reaffirming or planting the seed of believing in each other, believing in yourself. Be confident that you can get this done. I get hyped up when I when I listen to coaches talk like that. I I like that because that is that's coaching. 
yes, the coaching happens when you are in practice, when you are at training camp, when you are working on your X's and O's. But coaching really happens when there are moments like that, when you've got the team. So I think it was a great job by Dan Campbell to to talk about what his team is able, to, what he believes his team is able to do, and the guys believe it too. You can tell. And what a what a great great moment for the Detroit Lions. Just terrific. It's been a long long time. 1991 was the last time. A long time ago. On another aspect of a coach who would be on the opposite end of this. Now, last week, I talked to you about Rodney Terry, coaches Texas A&M Longhorns. And he got really, really, really mad at uh, the, the, what was it, FSU? Yeah, it was FSU that they played, and the FSU won. Uh, Rodney Terry's team is off to a terrible, terrible uh, beginning to their basketball season. And one of the things that the Texas A&M players do and Texas A&M fans do, they do the horns up. Your index pink, your index finger and your pinky finger, put them up, right, to signify long horns. Horns up. Well, some teams over the last few years, whenever they beat Texas A&M, do the same sign, but point the fingers down, horns down. And it's become so traumatic and triggering for Texas A&M players and fans and staff that it became a penalty in football. Yeah, 15 yards for taunting if you did the horns down sign. So when FSU did it after they beat Baylor, Rodney Terry went crazy. Not crazy, not right. He was very, very upset. He was he was emotionally uh, triggered. Where he told them, yelled at them, don't do that bleep. That's classless. Went on to say it after, continued to what I believe to be whining about it. So fast forward to this weekend in college basketball. Texas A&M playing Baylor. Baylor ties the game up with five seconds left to go. Um, and one thing that Rodney Terry did mention, I mentioned this, is that he wouldn't ever disrespect a team like that. He said when when uh, FSU had the horns down, he said, we don't conduct ourselves that way. We don't jump up and down like we won the national championship if we win a game. So fast forward to the weekend. Baylor ties it up, five seconds left to go. Texas A&M comes down, hits the big layup. No time left on the clock. They win. Rodney Terry jumps up and down like they won the national championship. Pumps his fist, runs past the half court mark towards Baylor's bench, pumping his fist, yelling, screaming, and then jumping around. After, when he addressed his hypocrisy, this is what he said. You know, I had no intentions of trying to um, show up anyone or or uh, offend anyone in terms of, you know, what occurred at, you know, at the end of that game. Johnny Dawkins is a good friend of mine. He's a really good coach. He has a good program. They're having a good year. Uh, and 
um, you know, I, you know, personally, if I offended him or his program or anyone for that matter, that was not my intentions. You know, um, I'm a God-fearing man. I'm, I lean heavily on my faith, and uh, there are no obstacles in front of me that I can't ever overcome because God never leaves me. No matter in good times, bad times, He's always with me. And so, you know, I, I think again, you control what you can control. If again, if I offended some of our our fans as well, and and not handling myself the right way in terms of, you know, going about it the right way, then, you know, I apologize to our fan base as well and everything. And uh, uh, I understand what it means to be the head coach at the University of Texas and what our brand stands for, and and uh, and I respect every opponent that we play, uh, and, and you know, have the utmost respect for them and and, and their coaches. So, uh, again. You know, I'm happy about the outcome of what, what transpired today. We played a really good team that's well coached, that we have a lot of respect for, and uh, um, we're going to enjoy this evening. Absolutely amazing. It wasn't FSU, by the way. It was UCF who uh, he went after. Absolutely amazing he's able to forgive himself that quickly, but wouldn't when it comes to the UCF players the week before. And um, – to all you Christians out there, I don't mean this as an insult to you and your faith. I believe you should be able to believe in whatever you want. And if it brings you joy and brings you peace, good for you. But what the heck is bringing up your faith got to do with the fact you're one of the biggest hypocrites on a, on a basketball court we've seen this year? So again, you're ready with your faith and let God forgive you and forgive your actions, but you weren't able to uh, wanting to give the same grace and forgiveness to the UCF players. I hope this guy loses every game from here on in. <laughs> and I don't even watch college football, but I watch those highlights. And I'm thinking you hypocrite. We'll be back with champs and chumps. And even though uh, Rodney Terry, he's an early candidate for the chump. Um, I'm not going to give it to him. He doesn't deserve it. We'll be back on the Green Zone, 650 CKOM, 980 CJME. Now we're going to listen to this for a bit. Here we go. I love this song. The great Rod Stewart. I think the Temptations are the ones in this version as well. Great song. Um, I'm gonna. I wanted to talk a little bit today about the the, the pushback on everybody defending Josh Allen and the people saying, "Well, you, how come you're not defending? You didn't defend Lamar Jackson in the past." And and people going back and forth on that. One of the people that get brought up when you're defending Josh Allen is a is Dan Marino, great quarterback that never won the Super Bowl. But Josh Allen is uh, is taking hits from everybody down here on ESPN. But um, when I'm looking at Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson is winning over a lot of his critics. And if this weekend will go a long way to seeing if he can take the next big step. Let's get to uh, Champs and Chumps. You two are winners, big winners. I think you're shagadelic, baby. You're switched on. You're smashing. You tried your best. And you failed miserably. The only thing I'm addicted to right now is winning. You're an idiot. Ah, you're a bad person. I got a couple of champs today. First off, Jason Kelsey in Buffalo supporting his brother. 
shirt off in freezing temperatures, drinking with Buffalo Mafia, the Bills Mafia, drinking beer out of a bowling ball, um, cheering his brother on, no shirt, a great celebration of brotherly love, a great celebration of a guy who's made his decision and looks like he's pretty happy with it, and uh, just real cool that the big man decided, you know what, I'm going to be here, I'm going to enjoy this moment, I'm going to have some fun. So Travis Kelsey is a champ. And this guy is also a champ. He's known as Uncle Chen. And Uncle Chen is a Chinese marathoner. He's competed in several marathons. But he was disqualified in the past marathon. It's the, I think I'm pronouncing it right, the Xiaomin Marathon. He finished it. He's 52 years old. He finished it in three hours and 33 minutes, but was disqualified. Do you want to know why? Because he was smoking during the race. Yes, you heard it here first. He fell under a new new rule of uncivilized behavior which prohibited open defecation, good idea, smoking or trampling on flower beds or green spaces. Uncle Chen gained internet fame a while ago when they showed him puffing on a cigarette during a race. He said it helps him inhale better, helps him with fatigue, holds the cigarette in his mouth, while he ran so he could easily inhale and kept going. You marathon and you finish 26 miles in three hours and 33 minutes while chain smoking the whole time, you're a champ in my books. I wouldn't recommend it, but you're still a champ. Let's go to one minute drill.